how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In Ben Younger's film Bleed for This, actor Miles Teller steps into the ring to play Vinny Pazienza, the Rhode Island boxer who won three titles after breaking his neck in a horrific car accident. Best known for his work on Bowler Room and Prime, writer-director Ben Younger connected with the uplifting comeback story after his own 10-year hiatus from Hollywood. I was working in politics. I hated my job, man. Hated it. And uh, went and worked on a movie set, like as a gopher, getting coffee. And just was like, oh, there's other options. I grew up in a pretty traditional Jewish New York family. Like, there wasn't a huge emphasis put on the arts. So nobody really said, oh, go be an artist or do a, you know, it was like learn a profession, keep your head down, and, you know, don't get into trouble. Do you want to touch on a little bit? You kind of, I read this in like the LA Times and a few things. If you want to touch on kind of your experience over the years between Boiler Room and Prime, I read that you were a chef in Costa Rica and you worked on pilot's license and a few other hobbies and things. Yeah. What kind of what kind of led you down that road and then bring, brought you back to this story? Um, after Prime, I tried very I tried very hard to get a movie made uh, about the Isle of Man TT. It's a motorcycle racing movie. Yeah. And uh, I spent like three years writing the script and then just assumed when I got back to Hollywood, everybody would just get on board the way they did with Boiler Room and Prime. And it was kind of my, my wake-up call to the fact that I had gotten very lucky on those two movies as far as the ease with which I set them up. Making them was hard. That's always hard, and you expect that. But I just thought setting a movie up wasn't that big a deal. And so uh, I tried. I couldn't get it made. Tried another project, couldn't get that made, and I was like, oh, shit, like, this is why everybody 
scratches and claws their way, you know, to try and make it in this business. And I just didn't have, I didn't have the appropriate amount of gratitude. And that's what did it. I took these 10 years off and, uh, yeah, I did all those things. I got my pilot's license. I got 300 hours now as a pilot, um, cooked at my friend's restaurant in Costa Rica and in Malpais. And, uh, and I raced, I raced bikes for a year professionally. So I just, uh, I just had to step away so I could come back. And you asked why this one, because this was basically my story. I mean, that's why I think boxing genre indoors, because it's this huge parable in like massive, you know, it's like it's accessible and in, in, in how how simplistic and and it is it's two men you know man on man fighting but like it does actually it does work as like a, a what I'm trying to say his story made me realize like you know what I can get past this I've made a movie in a while that's fine the guy broke his neck came back and won three world titles you're gonna be fine so that's why this story. Where did you begin the research phase for this story? Uh, I began it in Rhode Island. I mean, basically, this movie—you're as much a journalist as you are a screenwriter. You, there's all these people. There was all these great people to talk to. Vinny's parents had passed on, but Vinny, for a, Vinny's got a great memory for anyone. For a boxer, it's like it's unparalleled. His sister was still around. I talked to her, and then all these people in Rhode Island who don't have a sports franchise, like Vinny's their guy. They, Everyone knows about every fight. They can tell you where they were. We went to, like, the the, um, the social hall next to the church, which is the place where Angelo actually found out that his son had been in the car accident and broken his neck. We shot it in that place. All There were guys in the room that night when we were shooting who were there the night that Angelo found out. Like, there was so much accessibility, so much reference material. Like It was kind of a dream to write this thing. How do you kind of narrow that down? Like, How did you develop you know, what the actual, like where to start the story, where to end, that kind of thing? Because you know, well, because it's the crash, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a boxing movie for me at all. I've become a fan, but I wasn't. Well, I didn't get into this because like, I have to make a boxing movie. I just couldn't believe what this guy came back from. So, as a screenwriter, you just start with the crash and the recovery, and then you work forwards and backwards from there. How far, you know, how far back you want to go? I knew I didn't want to do big jumps in time. I didn't want to do some like sprawling biopic. I wanted just to sort of slice out a section of his life that had to incorporate the crash. So, making those decisions was not as difficult as you might think. Mm-hmm. How did uh, Miles Teller come to play this role? Because uh, I picked him. Was it based on his portrayal in Whiplash or anything else that made him stand out to you? I hadn't seen Whiplash. wasn't out when we shot. You have okay. to remember, we shot this movie a long time ago. Yeah, you guys waited for a few other boxing movies to kind of come out. I yeah, think. waiting for the exactly waiting for the smoke to clear. Right. Um, but I saw Spectacular Now. I saw the kid had range and depth, uh, and I like the way he looks. He looks like he could be a boxer. He's not a pretty boy. Um, he's got the right swagger. It was just a combination of, of everything I'd, I'd seen in him. I, I, he thinks I took a risk on him, and I like to continue to let him think that because he's grateful. But the truth is it was no risk. I knew exactly what I was getting. I knew how good the kid was. Uh, it was like a, It was not a difficult choice. Okay. 
Um, what what kind of films were? Are there any cinematic influences in this film? I mean, of course, because that's all I do is why well, I didn't go to film school. All I do is watch thousands of movies. But uh, did I look at anything specifically as a reference material? No. Yes. I mean, Scorsese produced, so everyone asks about Raging Bull. Like, we watch me and Larkin, my DP watch Raging Bull, just sort of as like a. Look, you know you're not going to make Raging Bull, so like, why are you? What are you getting from watching it? Do you know what I mean? We watch it more just to psych ourselves up because we both love the film. Um, I would say the film I did, the film watching I did in preparation for this movie was all about cautionary tales for me. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't fall into that cliche. Don't bow to that trope. It was about how do I stay out of trouble. Um, can you elaborate on this quote you have in the LA Times that says personal growth can show up on screen or in your writing? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. It's been 12 years since I made a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Our prime was 05. Yeah. Uh, I was very worried. Look, I liked all that stuff I did. I'm, I love being a pilot, I love cooking. I had some really rich experiences, but the whole time I was secretly, not secretly, I was just, I was worried that my contemporaries they were all going to pass me by. They kept making movies. Everyone kept making movies. And I was off, you know, making sea bass, you know, in the Nicoya Peninsula. I was just, I knew I was happy and I knew my life was better for it, but I was worried that, that I was going to get passed up. And then when we got to set and we started shooting and even in prep and then post all of it, I realized that those 10 years a decade and then some just had shown up on screen. I didn't I didn't know it. I didn't know it beforehand, but uh yeah, you just you become a better person, you become a better filmmaker. What's something you wish you had known, uh, maybe somewhere in the in the middle of all that? Is there anything like a, a bit of advice that you could pass on to help other people in that situation? Screenwriters? Screenwriters or filmmakers? Well, screenwriters were lucky in one sense. It's the hardest job, still is. Now, I mean, I've seen it all, I've done it all now. Screenwriting is the hardest job because there's no collaboration. You're by yourself. But the the upshot, man, is that you own something. So you have leverage. It's the only way to have leverage in this business, like you're not gonna have leverage based on like who you are or as a director. I don't. I mean, unless you're a major dude, like it's sort of like an ethereal ephemeral skill set right you're just it's your talent whatever that means it's hard to quantify but like the joy about screenwriting is like you could have 10 years off but you write something that somebody wants and you're like back in the game instantly so i guess the advice would be just keep writing because you just it could be the next one what's the most difficult step in the writing process starting Second draft is like peanuts. It's funny because the most, the best things happen in the second pass, but uh, and it's so and it's the and it's the easiest pass for me. It's just the blank page is just what kills you. You're alone. You have nothing to look at. You have no one to talk to. Ugh, just thinking about it makes me anxious, man. <laughs> That's why rewrites are fun. Like you're like, oh, I can fix this. Somebody else did some work. I know how to make this better. Yeah. Do you find it is it easier writing nonfiction than fiction? Because you have something to go off of? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. These true stories, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like 
boiler room was had a lot of truth in it. There was a lot of research I did, and Prime is pretty much a memoir. So, yeah, I like I like it. You know what else it does for you? Is it like it's like an authenticity barometer or template? Like you know if these things happen, you feel comfortable moving forward because there's like inherent truth in them because they happen. They actually happen. Whereby if you're writing just straight up fiction, you, I think you're constantly going, is this believable? Like I never would have written this the story about this guy and I don't think anyone would have believed it. A guy mm-hmm. who breaks his neck and comes back. But like the fact that it happened just like gives you like a pass a little bit. Yeah. What do you think about his like internal struggle not to do like drink or do drugs and that kind of thing? Like I've never really seen that before or he wouldn't take the shot. What do you yeah. think about that as a character? I think for character it's great as a human being. I don't get it. Give me the lidocaine, man. You're not, are you kidding me? I mean, Vinny told me the other week in Savannah, this week, I saw him there on, on Sunday. He told me that that was still the most painful thing he's ever experienced, was getting those screws out. Do you know why he was like that? I think that's part of why I told the story, this movie. Like, you're asking, I mean, that's the wrong question. The real question is, why did he go back and box? Why did he get the halo in the first place? Like, there's a lot of things he could have done. He's not, he's not a dumb guy. He could have, who knows? I mean, there's probably 50 other things he could have done with his life. Why did, why was this, why did it mean so much? Like, why would you risk, I don't do you have anything in your life that you'd risk paralysis for? That's not a child? Like, if you told me I can't make movies anymore, or I could, but risk paralysis, I'll go paint houses and I'll figure out the rest later. I want to walk. So, I don't know why, but I know that that's a story I want to tell because it's it's a unique character. Can you uh, talk about the very ending of the movie and uh, his idea of just how simple things are? Is Is everything down to simply doing the work? Well, that scene, I'm glad you mentioned it. I mean, that, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. It was not written to go there, first off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was supposed to go before the Duran fight. It was written to go right leading up to the Duran fight. Mm-hmm. So when she says they're calling it the greatest comeback in sports, it meant like, and then you've got this Duran fight coming up. Mm-hmm. But Miles killed it so much. Like, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this scene. I love what he did at that scene. And it's the one moment where you realize that Vinny has a sense of self, of what's happened to him, of the things that have occurred. Like, he actually steps back and and, is, and reflects, which he doesn't do anywhere else in the movie. So mm-hmm. when we shot it, and I saw what Miles did with it, I just thought, this deserves more than the run-up to the fight. Because the movie used to end in the ring. You know, hand in the air, what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, and then, to answer your other question, yeah. I do think that's true because, I mean, it's reductive, sure. I mean, that's, but we're trying to make, we're trying to, I'm trying to inspire people here. I like what happened to him. I like that he just said, I'm just not going to listen to all this noise. Lou telling him he couldn't get the fight insured. Uh, You know, his friends telling him, you're going to kill yourself. He just, instead of like engaging in a dialogue about it, which is what most people would do, he just didn't listen. He just went and did it. And, he, and, and once it's done, then there's nothing to talk about because it's done. So might be a bit reductive, but I love it as a, as a theme for 
the movie and for life. Because there were people who told me, like, you might want to think about doing something else. You know, when you, when I didn't make a movie for this long. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.